The weather is finally getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost like the middleman that passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I am so excited. I have two gorgeous, lightweight cashmere sweaters coming my way. One camel, one heather gray. I cannot wait to wear them in the warmer months when it's chilly in LA. Throwing them over my shoulders going to look so cute. Can't wait. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash judging Megan for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash judging Megan. And now back to the podcast. There's a point where you're completely oblivious to what alcohol actually does to your body because we're so conditioned from the time we're young that alcohol is a privilege of adulthood. It is fun. It is romantic. You are missing out if you don't drink. But on top of that, drinking helps you relax. Drinking makes you, it decreases your anxiety. Drinking helps you go to sleep. This is what we're told. And none of that is actually true. What, what happens is drinking increases your anxiety. Like literally after you drink your cortisol, which causes anxiety, is heightened and stays that way for quite a while it increases depression. I mean, it is a depression and not to go too deep in the science, but you spike your dopamine on alcohol. You do that on a regular basis. Your body wants to recalibrate itself. So it actually lowers your sort of resting rate of a happy So you are less happy and content. We've all been put here for a reason and we all deserve acceptance. Judging Megan with Megan Judge. I'm a trauma survivor from a really young age, and I have been diagnosed with complex PTSD in the past few years. I've been surrounded by death and abuse much of my life. I've been dragged through the mud and have been to the point of not wanting to go on anymore. Through my interviews with other survivors, I've learned that there is a way out. From recovering to surviving and thriving, we all have the strength to come out the other side. You are listening to Judging Megan. Hi, everybody. You are listening to Judging Megan with your host, Megan Judge. So I'm going to start out first and say thank you to the people that are following my or subscribing on Patreon. I really appreciate it. We do have an episode out. We'll have more. It's my husband and I, and we're just bickering the whole time. So if you're into something like that, head on over to Patreon. Uh, Number two, you can find me on YouTube now. Uh, what else? Oh, so I need to tell you something. My, 
and I might bring my guest Casey in. I will bring Casey in right now. Um, I never in my life, Casey, have been a football fan. Like I grew up in D.C. Um, I was the team is now called the Commanders, but it was the Washington Redskins growing up. So I my family, you know, we would watch the games. My dad would go to the games, whatever. But I never really cared about football until my nephew, Johnny Hodges, is now um, undefeated. TCU, 8-0. Eight, eight they have not lost any games. And his aunt is pretty much like a football maniac. I've watched every game. I scream. I'm such a dork that I bought a TCU football uh, sweatshirt. Um, of course you And did. I'm, I'm on all the fan sites. Like, I'm literally on, like, following football stuff on Twitter. I'm, I don't even understand Twitter, but I follow it. And, um... And so, like, if the TCU football, like, Instagram posts, like, you know, like, something about a game, I'll be like, go, Johnny. Like, <laughs> I'm sure I'm what embarrassing him if he, he sees this. He's a linebacker. He's number 57. Nice. Shout out. Right. Shout out, Johnster. Your Aunt Megan's really proud of you. Um, and it's pretty, it's pretty cool to know that, um you know, this is your family and your seat and I get to watch them on ESPN. It's so exciting, but I never in my life thought I would be into football. Are you into football, Casey? Well, the Seahawks I am in and my husband okay. got me, I mean, we've been married for 20 years, got me into like college uh -huh. football in Gainesville. So we watched the Gators a lot, but I'm very specific on the teams I follow, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't think I would ever be this. I mean, I know I wouldn't, but it's now I, I kind of like will be watching the game and I I'm, I understand yeah. the positions. I never thought I would be this person. So anyway, so that's my little story for today. But I'm going to introduce my guest to you all. This is uh, my guest name is Casey Davidson. She is a sober coach. She's also a podcaster. Her podcast is called the Hello Someday Podcast or Hello Someday Podcast. And you can find her on hellosomedaycoaching.com. And I'm going to just say I'm honored to have you on. I actually am on my like little sober, curious journey right now. I told you before we recorded, I'm on day 41. And when I first started this journey, a friend of mine is ahead of me. And then I have a friend that's doing this. We're exactly kind of the same place in, in our little journey. And I was like, I was like, oh, I need to listen to sober podcasts. So I do listen to, I found yours and I really liked it. And I really like the things you talk about. So that's why I reached out to you to come on and kind of talk to me about what you do and your own journey through sobriety. So welcome, Casey. I'm so happy to have you on. Oh, thank you. And I'm so happy for you. 41 days is amazing. And the first 30 days are the hardest you will do. Like the first, it's so hard to get past like day four and day five and week two. And then now you're feeling great, right? You're out of that like drinking withdrawal debating cycle. You know what's weird, and we can kind of go into it before your story, but I I now am in this weird place, and maybe you can talk to me about this, and we can have a therapy session, Casey, because 
I am now kind of afraid of drinking. And I don't know if that's common for people that have like, I mean, I will be honest with you and my audience. I was a drinker from the time I was in my 20s until, you know, I would be get pregnant and not drink for the nine months and then go right back to my to my drinking habit. And it was like during COVID that got a little bit worse. And as you know, alcoholism is a progressive disease. So like we would all be drinking during COVID at like three o'clock in the afternoon. And I loved Chardonnay. So I would just drink a bottle of Chardonnay or I would leave like a teeny tiny bit left every day. So I was like, oh, I'm not drinking the whole bottle. And I would go to bed every night and I would feel this tremendous amount of like guilt and depression about the fact that I could not stop really I mean I could because I did so I want everyone to know that if I can stop like really honestly I think I'm a testament that depending on your level of alcoholism um I should be a testament to people that they can stop because I was I would call myself And I hate, I'm even like afraid to throw this out there right now because in case I ever drink again. Um, But I I started to think I was becoming a functioning alcoholic. And to admit that and say that is number one, scary. I feel like people can be very judgmental. Um, But I also, before I take up the whole podcast and it's just about me, Casey, um, I I felt like a tremendous hypocrite because here I am telling people like keep going you know and I was really working on my own mental health and trying to you know interview people every week and I've been doing this a few years and then every night I would be drinking my Chardonnay so that's me spilling my guts to begin with and um and I just yeah that's really what kind of made me be like I I don't want to do this anymore I think it is so brave of you to share that. And the first thing I want to tell you is you are absolutely not alone. So many women go through their day, they work out, they keep up at work, they um, take care of their kids, they're great partners, high achieving, um, and drink a bottle of wine a night. Like it's incredibly common. And Mm -hmm. just so you know, if you like the term alcoholic or it helps you in some way, that's awesome. It is absolutely not required. Like alcoholism, alcoholic isn't even a medical term that's used in the DSM. It's called alcohol use disorder. And you can have that mild, moderate, severe. And I honestly think most drinkers are somewhere on that spectrum because you're right that it is progressive in that alcohol is an addictive substance in the exact same way cigarettes are in the exact same way cocaine is it is designed once you consume it to make you want to consume it more and more often and i think that anyone who starts to drink regularly whether it's because they have underlying anxiety or depression or um, or feel socially awkward or are, you know, whatever it is, or 
just their social circle, their social circle mm-hmm. in college, their partner, their friends drink often is going to go down that path of becoming emotionally habitually using it as a coping mechanism or physically addicted to it. So if you want to drink often and start thinking about it more often and start thinking, I should drink tonight. No, I shouldn't. I'm not that bad. Everybody drinks. I'll just have two. You Mm -hmm. are normal. And I think you, you know, none of us talk about it because we don't want to be labeled in that quote unquote alcoholic category, right? Nobody wants to be labeled that because first of all, drinking is everywhere. And most women and men who drink a lot actually love to drink, right? You, it spikes your dopamine really high. Unfortunately, you go into withdrawal afterwards and you feel irritable, less happy, less content. So you want to drink again, right? So Nobody wants to talk about the fact that they're worried about their alcohol consumption because we're terrified that someone will tell us not to drink anymore. Well, to be honest with you, I had a Gil Teets who's from Sober Powered. I had her, I'm sure you might be familiar with her. I had her oh, on. Oh, I'm partnered with her. I'm part of her. Oh, I sober love Gil. I do not know that. She's the I best. love her. She's Hi, been Gil. on my podcast. Shout out, Gil. with her. Oh, she's the best. She's the best. And she came on when I was still and obviously like drinking my bottle a day. And I've been very honest with my audience throughout this journey of podcasting where I've, you know, at one point I had a button on my website that said, buy me a Chardonnay because it's what I found was I was just trying to be funny. You know, I love buttery Chardonnay. That was my drink of choice. And I admitted in that episode with Gil, I said, I lean way too heavily on alcohol. I lean way too heavily on wine, but never ever did I want to look in a mirror or say what I said in the beginning of this podcast, which is maybe I wasn't a functioning. I like the way that you word it better because the word, the time, the minute somebody says alcoholic, it's like so frowned upon. I'm a mom. Like what are, is everyone, all the other moms or people around going to be like, well, Mm -hmm. Megan's an alcoholic. Well, if I'm an alcoholic, literally half my, more than like 75% of my town where well, I live that is an alcoholic. is so stigmatized. Yeah. And yeah. the truth is, you know, what I say, and I'm a sober coach, right? And I will tell you that I, yeah. you know, my story, I drank a bottle of wine seven nights a week, 365 nights a year, sometimes more. I pretty much yeah. woke up with glassy eyes and a hangover every day. And Um, was still nobody would have really said anything to me other than I also joked about it all the time because that's what we do with deflection. And I called myself a red wine girl. Like I'd introduce myself like I live in Seattle. I have two kids. I'm a director in digital marketing. I'm a red wine girl. I love to travel. Like, oh my it was- gosh, we're the same person. Like right? I thought your background's so familiar to mine. Yeah. Wait, yeah. so let me ask you this, because I wanted, I don't want to um, miss any of your story and the reason why you kind of got to a point where you were like, I'm done. But what I do want to say also and kind of go into at some point is just like, 
reading up on it, reading up on what alcohol does to your body. And so there's a lot of apps. So like if you're listening to this right now and you're just like, well, I want to take a break from drinking and I want to do 30 days or I want to, you know, I'm sober curious or maybe I just want to know more about drinking. I think Casey would be the perfect person to reach out to. Um, But what really now I'm like in fuego about is the fact that now that I'm kind of feeling so good and I'm at the point where I am and I told you I'm kind of scared to go backwards is how glamorized alcohol is in our country. And especially for moms, like if I scroll through Instagram and it's like constant, like, like partying, like everyone's got their wine chalice. And I was that mom, you know, I'm guilty of it. But I just wanted to ask you, like, why is it? Because in reality, what alcohol does to your body is you're putting ethanol into your body. If you look at my face right now and you look at my earlier YouTubes, everyone, so now I'm pushing you to YouTube, you can actually see a drastic change in my face over the past 40 days because I was super puffy and I just, you know, it does make such a difference. So they never have in commercials or any of this stuff, they don't have the models like, you know, in their 40s, like with a puffy face and a big giant barrel stomach because you lose you gain it in your stomach and your face yeah right so I wanted to ask you about that well your thoughts are on that there is so much there and you know I've done 135 podcast episodes on for sober curious women on pretty much yeah every topic every author from the scientific things that how alcohol functions to what it does to your health to um, you know, why we drank anxiety, perfectionism, imposter syndrome, but also sober celebrities. So what blows my mind is there are lots of celebrities who have either quit drinking or don't drink at all, including the ones who are in the scripts where they drink all the time. So when I was drinking Carrie Washington in Scandal, right, she always had the biggest glass of red wine and I was a red wine girl and okay of course she was also looked fabulous and always wearing pure white which I used to carry like the wine away spray in my purse to like I spilled a lot I mean I'm pretty clumsy uh-huh. even when I'm drinking I spill a lot but um anyway she looked fabulous I am too but I didn't white. drink red yeah yeah sorry I had and to say so that she barely <laughs> Like she really doesn't drink. Bradley Cooper is sober, yet starred in the Hangover movie that was all about glamorizing drinking. Um, there are so many celebrities. J-Lo. Either- J-Lo, J-Lo looks fabulous. J-Lo never drank. And I'm like, everyone's like, well, she's had a facelift. She's probably had a facelift because she looks like she's 30 years old. Like, let's be real people. But um it does. I, I'm telling you, I didn't really believe, like I was annoyed by people before I kind of started this where I would be like, Oh God, shut up. Like blah, blah, blah. It was really me feeling that way because I didn't like myself and what I was doing to my own body. Um, but I will say like for the vain people out there, I'm the vainest of them all. Um, 
I'm telling you, your stomach goes down. Like I'm yeah. 40 days in, I've probably lost seven pounds doing this. And I still am, I'm still like, my diet's not perfect. I haven't like, I don't just eat vegetables all day. Um, so I'll say that, right. Do you agree yeah. that that's well, something uh, that you can see? I have my clients and I'm not the only one who has done this when I was drinking, where you take a picture of yourself when you're hungover to try to like shame yourself into, I need to stop drinking. But uh -huh. what alcohol does for your body, I mean, alcohol is incredibly in inflammatory. It causes all this inflammation in your body, which is the bloating, the puffiness. Um, it dehydrates you immediately. So your skin looks way worse. Um, it interrupts your sleep. And anyone who's had those 3 a.m. wake-ups knows what those are, right? You wake up, um, you're feeling a ton of anxiety, you can't go back to sleep. Even super low amounts of alcohol do that to you. So literally a single glass for a woman decreases your sleep quality by 24%. Anything over a glass decreases your sleep quality by 40%. And I used to drink a bottle a night. I probably hadn't slept well in a decade. You know what I mean? That is so funny that you say that because um, I now, like, it's a weird feeling. And I'm sure, I'm, I don't know if you felt this way in the beginning of, like, when you stopped drinking. But now I'm, like, want to shout it off the, the rooftops and, like, what I'm doing. And I want to tell everyone I know, like, the checkout lady at Target, like, everybody. Because, um... It, 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 I did not sleep. I was not sleeping at all. Like I really wasn't. And then add in like we're in our forties, perimenopause, you know, all of that stuff. So our hormones start to change and I would wake up every night, a bottle of wine in at three in the morning, like you're saying, and what that, what I know now is that's your liver, like knocking on the door. Right. And, um, and I wasn't sleeping. Like, I did not have a real night's sleep, I don't think, until pretty recently when I stopped. Oh, yeah. And now I sleep through the entire night. Oh, my God. Sober sleep, sleep is incredible. It's well, the best. Well, just for that alone, just for that yeah. alone, to be able to be, like, wake up groggy. Like, yeah. I wake up groggy, like, you know, where you're like, I just slept so well I don't want to wake up. Yeah. But when you wake up, you're like it's a new day. This is awesome. Yeah. Well, and there's so many things that we don't know. And I say this as someone who is, you know, there's a point where you're completely oblivious to what alcohol actually does to your body, because we're so conditioned from the time we're young, that alcohol is a privilege of adulthood. It is fun. It is romantic. You are missing out if you don't drink. But on top of that, Drinking helps you relax. Drinking makes you, it decreases your anxiety. Drinking helps you go to sleep. This is what we're told. And none of that is actually true. What, what happens is drinking increases your anxiety. Like literally after you drink your cortisol, which causes anxiety is heightened and stays that way for quite a while. It increases depression. I mean, it is a depression. And not to go too deep in the science, but you spike your dopamine on alcohol. You do that on a regular basis. 
your body wants to recalibrate itself. So it actually lowers your sort of resting rate of the happy hormone. So you are less happy and content. You have to get it out of your system for like 30 days to get back to your like baseline. Okay, this is Mm -hmm. what my general level of sleep, anxiety, and happiness is. And it's way better than when we're drinking. So all of that is really interesting. And those 3 a.m. wake-ups, I love talking to William Porter, who wrote the book Alcohol Explained. And so what he talks about is the fact that, you know, alcohol is both a depressant and a stimulus. So you drink, you guys know what it feels like. You know, sometimes it gives you energy. A lot of times it like chills you out, right? Once you have a couple. So you're watching shows on the couch or you start feeling really fuzzy. You start slurring your speech sometime. So your body's like a car who hits mud. So all of a sudden you press on the gas, right? You want to maintain the same speed. That's what your body does. When the alcohol leaves your system, middle of the night, 3 a.m., it's almost like you come out of the mud speeding, you know, because you've pressed down the, the gas pedal so far. And so that's that wake up where your sort of alcohol leaves your system, your nervous system comes back and it's in high gear. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. And then just to piggyback on that, um, I downloaded, there's a lot of different apps that you can download. Yeah. One of the one that I happen to download is called the sobriety counter. So that's how I know every day, like exactly what day I'm on, because I think it's really exciting. <laughs> but also there's things that you can like little things like where it's, there's a section called total health. And it talks about like your cell regeneration, the gray matter in your brain growing back, your skin health. Um, You know, if people have seen me recently, I feel like I'm being vain and well, I am vain. I am very vain, everyone, which I'm very open about. But um, they've been like, oh, your skin looks great. And what I I'm pale. So I would always have like a little bit of rosacea around my nose. Right. And I don't anymore. Yeah. So for that reason alone, like not alone, but just all the things that you read about that it does to your brain health and uh, the, the increase in, in your chances of getting cancer, um, Alzheimer's, like so many different things. It's kind of like, what are we doing to ourselves because we're watching TV, at least I am, because I oh, yeah. watch Bravo all day long. And it's like everyone's pounding wine, pounding shots, all in their 40s and 50s. And so as a culture, we go, I just want to have fun. This is amazing and so fun. But like never do you wake up the next day and you're a parent like I am. I have two little girls and I'd be like driving them to school feeling like poo every morning. Oh God. Yeah. You know, I mean, I used to hate putting on eyeliner in the morning because my eyes were glassy and bloodshot. And then I'm Mm -hmm. driving my daughter to daycare. I quit drinking when they were, my son was eight, my daughter was two. And that was almost seven years ago, but I would not, you know how you look at your daughter in the, or your kid in the car seat, in the back seat. I used to hate that because I could see my eyes. And just that, you know, I used to wake up every day 
And literally the first thing I would say to myself was like, what is wrong with you? That was on repeat in my head. And my husband, after I quit, because he never, he knew I drank a lot. I mean, he would sometimes not be able to wake me up on the couch to go to bed. You know, I know I was passed out, but like, I was like, oh, I'm just so tired. My life is so hard. I do everything, whatever. And so he knew I drank a lot, but he didn't know how I felt about it, right? Because I desperately didn't want him to know. Um, because I desperately didn't want to stop. And so, but I was totally worried about it. Yeah. And so finally afterwards, I told him, basically, this is what I would feel when I would wake up. This is how I felt looking in the mirror. And he was like, tell her what she's won for her bottle of wine. Like he was like, that is a crap trade-off, you know? Well, let me ask you a question because I've gone on off on this like total tangent, like because I'm I really honestly mean this and it makes me emotional because I'm literally like the most emotional person on the planet. P.S. But I'm so excited about this. Yes. You know, I just feel excited every day. And and my husband's still a drinker and I'm taking this day by day, like I said, Um. But I never, ever want to be back at the place where I was, which was, I was in denial, you know, like I was like you, like I would look in the mirror at my puffy face and take my kids to school and, you know, kind of make jokes like, oh my gosh, you guys, I feel like poo to the other moms. Oh, yeah. You know, and you just like get to a point and it's like, I don't want to age and be like the drunk old lady, you know, I just don't want to be that. So let me ask you what you're like, what kind of made you, was it like this journey like me where I was like, I don't want to feel this way anymore. Or was it like, did you have a rock bottom is my question. No, for me, it was sort of a death of a thousand cuts. I didn't Mm -hmm. have a rock bottom. And I really think that we do a disservice to ourselves and to a society. And by the way, I think this is changing and I'm so excited about it. Mm-hmm. People are like, either you're a quote unquote alcoholic, which truly that term is not a medical term. It's not a diagnosis. You do not have to adopt it unless it helps you, unless it helps you make it black and white. I'm not going to drink. Um, but what we think about, because this is what TV portrays, is either you are a quote unquote alcoholic and you have to stop or you're not, and there's no problem. And, mm-hmm. you know, I used to think, cause I was a big drinker. I was like, look, it either, if you don't drink, either you're lame, you're pregnant or you're an alcoholic. I mean, when I was young, those were the three categories. No, I mean, but let's no be honest. Most people think that yeah. let's be honest. Most people, and I'll tell you something, by the way, Casey, I'm still fun. Like I'm still oh, funny. Yeah. If not, if not, like, I think I'm even funnier now because I'm with it and I can come up with stuff quicker, whereas I was yeah. slow, right? I was, like, not as fast on I my thought, feet. I thought drinking was so fun. And, you know, we, I'll go back to my story. But, like, for example, yeah, I would get away from my kids with my husband. Mother-in-law was home. New Year's Eve, we were going to have like the fun couple sleepover at one of my friend's houses where we like party all night kind of thing. 
New Year's Mm -hmm. Eve. I drank so much. I don't remember when I went to bed. It was not midnight. I missed the entire night. I got this huge hall pass. Don't, didn't make it to midnight, right? All I know is I was drinking with my friends. I woke up the next morning in bed, thank God, because my husband takes good care of me, brutally hungover and embarrassed. And he didn't have anyone to kiss at midnight. I don't remember the night. Like, how fun is that? You know what I mean? Like I've been looking forward to it for weeks. So for me drinking, like I, I loved drinking, like from the minute I started, which wasn't until college because I went to a boarding school. I also grew up on and off in DC. I did too. No way. Which one did you go to? And I was in, and I was in digital advertising, which is so weird. I'm like, you have two kids. You were in digital advertising. I went to Old Fields in in Glencoe, Maryland. Okay, I went to boarding school in Connecticut. Um, Oh, I've heard of it. Yeah, that's so funny. (laughs) I know it is. Well, so my parents were diplomats overseas, and. You know, okay. it showed if you caught drinking drinking once, you got suspended two times, you got expelled. Lots of kids rolled the dice, drank, and never got caught. But for me, I was like, literally, government was paying for my boarding school, didn't know where I was going to go if I got suspended. You know, parents lived in Africa, so did not drink in high school, except for like one or two times. Went to college, and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I joined the women's rugby team, which is basically a crash instructional course in how to drink problematically. Literally the goal, meaning you got positive social reinforcement for throwing up and drinking again. Like it was called boot and rally and it was like a thing. So drank really heavily through college, loved it. I mean, you know, it's fun other than the hangovers and I still got, you know, straight A's, right? I was that overachieving person who would drink a ton and then go to the library for six hours, you know, and graduated college. And, you know, and I always was sort of hyper vigilant, cared a lot what people thought about me, wanted everyone to like me. So in my mind, when I drank, anything could happen. Like I shut my mind off. Like I could stop thinking about that. I could stop trying to be careful. Like I was just like, this was a strategy for me, like, you know, and graduated college and got my first job in DC. I was a management consultant, you know, right out of college. And I was super stressed out. Um, My dad got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, you know, and told he had six months to live. And I thought I was a grown up. I'd never learned to cook, right? Because I went to boarding school and college. So I used to like eat Lucky Charms for dinner with a bottle of red wine. Like this is, and I'd be like, I'm a grown up. Like this is awesome. So, you know, I just always drank. um, And I sort of shifted what I drank based on my identity at the time. You know, so early 20s, it's cocktails at bars and dancing We moved out to Seattle and it was, you know, kayaking with, you know, beers and then, you know, living with my with my now husband. It was dinner parties with bottles of wine. And then it was the mommy wine culture. Right. And happy hours after work. And 
it was so tied to my identity as I'm fun. This is exciting. This is adult. When I was a mom, you know, a lot of the drinking is motherhood is humbling and really limits your freedom. And it's sort of a screw you to adulting. And I am reclaiming my, you know, right to get drunk. But it's also you suddenly, when you're a mother, you give up a lot of the other coping mechanisms and interests and hobbies that you had before you had children. So before I, I was always a heavy drinker, but before I had kids, I also took guitar lessons and went to Pilates and, you know, did all these other things other than work. I had a kid and it was basically work, rush to daycare, get him home, loved him, you know, but bath, diapers, bed, you know what I mean? Like you can multitask if you're drinking, you know? Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. This time of year is the worst. I feel like I can't do anything and I can't enjoy my dinner because I can't taste my food and I can't work out because I feel tired and distracted. I can't even feel like I can host this show because my voice sounds like a duck. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D designed for serious allergy sufferers. Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I feel like I've been using Claritin D for probably a few months now, and I have really noticed a difference. I can work out. I'm not feeling like my eyes are watering and my nose is all stuffed up. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards. Well, let me just say one thing, point out what you just said, is motherhood is very difficult, which every mom can tell you. All I ever wanted to be was a mom. You know, I I have my two little girls, knock on wood, healthy, but I felt like I had to drink to get through the amount of stress because I was in a high stress sales job um, on top of trying to take care of, you know, my babies, my first baby, especially. I remember I was in such a high stress job that I like was like. I I almost like went into like early term labor because I was so, you know, stressed out. Um, With my second one, I couldn't get pregnant. And I found out that it was due to stress, 
not because I was infertile yeah. or any. I went through all these fertility treatments, went and start, and then I got acupuncture and started doing acupuncture and not stressing and not drinking, like they said, and I got pregnant. So there's a connection yeah. to all of this stuff. But what I find now, and I'll ask you about this, is, you know, I thought, oh, the stress, all this stuff, if I drink every night, I'm not going to stress as much because I have to do like the baths. And, you yeah. know, now I don't, ha I'm not in that stress, high stress job, but I had to, do I still have to do all the mom stuff. I joke that I call myself a moober. So I'm like an Uber mom because you're just driving all over yeah. the place all day long at activities. But I How thought old are your kids now? I'm 12 and eight. Okay. And I thought, yeah. I, I thought 14. That, kids are oh, we're similar. like, we have like parallel lives. I swear to God. But what I thought was like by drinking, I was like, oh, I'm more chill. I'm a better mom. But now yeah. that I I'm new to this, like you're not, but I am. I am such a better mom. It makes yes. me cry. Like literally, I'm not yelling at my kids. Yeah. Like every night I was like yelling at my kids to like, not like mean, like screaming, but I was like, you know, do this, do that. Because you have to think about it. If you're a couple of glasses of wine in, you're impaired, like cooking dinner or whatever you're doing. And then and at also night, yeah, go ahead. Rush through bedtime to try to get back to your bottle of wine. You want I mean, to you don't want to admit that. No. Or what about this? I don't know if you found yourself doing this, but I'm sure a lot of people can relate. I hate when there's like a, I, or I hated when there was like a late birthday party or a late like sport activity, because I knew that if yeah. there was like a game at six o'clock, I'm like, that's right. I don't want to do that because that's when I'm drinking wine and I'm not going to drink and drive, you know, although yeah. don't even get me started in that. Mom, right. Yeah. But then there's so many well, mom activities that center around alcohol that people just, so many, you know. Yeah, so and I don't I even used want to, to go down. Like I would specifically pick the time for my kids' birthday parties for when it would be okay to drink. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, I had drinking associated with most things in my life. And you don't realize, or maybe you do slightly, like how you think drinking is fun and exciting. Your rewards and interests really shrink to a very small universe of things that you could be doing because suddenly, like you said, you're focused on like, I don't want to do that because that's when I get to quote unquote relax with my bottle of wine. And I remember vividly after I stopped drinking, I had something early in the morning, which I never would have signed up for when I was drinking. I live in Seattle, which is beautiful. It's, you know, mm -hmm. tons of lakes and, and mountains. I was driving across Lake Washington at like 7.30 in the morning on a Saturday. And like all these people were out running and biking and the mountains were out in the sunshine. And I was like, do these people do this every weekend? Like, I was just like, <laughs> there is a universe of the population that, you know, I was usually hungover, you know, my kids were up and I was like opening one eye, I would like go down to the couch and like, decide not to go to yoga class. And, you know, because Friday night was the big party night. And, you know, I'd be like, Oh, can you not jump on the couch? And like, mom's really tired. I don't feel well. 
I mean, that's kind of a crappy way to go through life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it's interesting and I, I just had to point that out and I didn't mean to cut you off, but I think there's so much of what you're saying that I can relate to. And I'm sure my listeners can too. And again, like sometimes I, I think like maybe the people that aren't ready to hear this or don't want to hear it, maybe turned it off. But what I will say is I've had more of a reaction from a lot of people that know me over the past 40 days that are like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Tell me how to do it. I think there's so many people that yeah. feel trapped, which is a scary way to feel, you know, and I know I did. I felt kind of trapped in this, in this cycle of, of going, well, I just don't feel good anymore. Like really, I started to feel gross all the time and I just don't want to go backwards. Well, and here's the thing that I would say is mm -hmm. one of my favorite things I see, and you mentioned your sober curious journey, there is a universe of truly a sober curious movement out there. And it's, it's being driven by a couple things. One, 10 years ago, you wanted to quit drinking kind of the only thing out there was AA, right? And they have, part of it is this culture of anonymity, meaning you don't really talk about it, you know? Um, you talk in the rooms, you don't you don't share what what's going on outside of the rooms, you know? Um, they don't want anyone talking, even if, you know, you're in it, because they don't want you to be a representative of the group. Um, I, I only went to AA for four months. The first time I tried to stop drinking, it was almost 10 years ago. There really wasn't much out there. I was sort of like, well, bucket list, never thought I'd walk into this room, you know? Um, and it wasn't for me, turned out not to be for me. So I'm not an expert. I only did it for four months, but what's cool now is that there are so many people coming out saying, oh my gosh, I quit drinking and I feel great. This is wonderful. Just like you, you know, sober Instagram and sober TikTok is incredible. Just search hashtag sober curious or alcohol free and you are going to find the most amazing and inspiring people who don't drink and are talking about it. And so, for example, dry January, um, they're, you know, one in five American adults do dry January, which is growing every single year. Like it's a thing. The New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and Vogue UK are writing articles like, is the sober curious movement here to stay? Or has everyone stopped drinking? Or, you know, all this kind of stuff. So this is no longer in the shadows, let's not talk about it. Like people are like, dude, drinking isn't bad for you, is bad for you. And you feel bad. And by the way, it causes cancer and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I feel like the tide is really shifting and exploring your relationship with alcohol is no longer something that you have to be quiet about. And that's, really cool. And if you decide, you know, all the women I work with, I'm like, take a hundred day break from alcohol and don't 
think about forever. Don't think about never again. Don't think if you're quote unquote that bad so that you have to quit. Just see like a health experiment if you feel better without alcohol. And I promise you, if you don't like it at 100 days, the wine is not going anywhere. The beer, it will be there. But what my hope is, and you know, I think it is really important to do some self-reflection and some work and some overcoming limiting beliefs about how much it'll suck and how much you'll be othered and whether you'll be able to have fun or be funny during that time. But my hope is that people will experience what you experience to be like, wow, parenting is easier. I'm still funny. I still have fun. Oh my God, this, I feel better. I have more energy. I have more time. And then by a hundred days, my goal and what I think works is say, I feel so good. Let me see what full six months feels like. And then let me see what a whole year looks like. Like what else could I accomplish? What could I do with my time? Don't sit there and say, oh my God, I am never going to drink again. Because that's like going on three dates with a guy and being like, all right, I like him, but I have to decide at this moment whether I'm going to marry him or I need to dump him and never see again, you know? Well, that's why I keep saying, I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm ever going to drink again. I might, and that's okay. Um, I would rather not. (laughs) I found that I am saying to people stuff like, Oh, don't worry. Like, I'm going to drink again. I'm going to be fun again. I was saying that. I'll be honest. And maybe um, even on Halloween, I've never celebrated a Halloween where I haven't had a giant glass of wine cup trick-or-treating with my kids. Oh, yeah. Like a red cup. And then continued to, like, fill it up. I like, and I found myself on Halloween. Why do you need that to go around? I don't know. I don't know because my mom didn't yeah. do that when we were kids. And I, so yeah. that's what I'm saying. And something you just said, what, what strikes me the most is to do the sober January. So to be honest with you, I tried to do a sober January when the January 6th happened, when <laughs> like that whole, wow. like oh, yeah. all of like, and I'm, I'm a Washingtonian. So that was extremely traumatizing for me to see. Oh, God. Um, yeah. um, but I made it to that day. So I made it to six days. And I remember thinking like, well, I didn't drink for six days, so I'm fine. And I had to get to the point for myself. So if you're listening to this and you're going, I'm going to take two days off or whatever it was that I would do, you know, um, I had to get to a point where I went, I really need a break. I feel gross. I I need this. I need to do this. And and something that I have said that has helped me, so I would love to hear things that have helped you or helped you in the beginning at least, yeah. is hop water. <laughs> and yeah. I am promoting them. I am an affiliate now because I stocked them, literally, because I love them so much. They, I, I had to find a, a, a substitute for my sitting on the couch watching Bravo at night. Yeah instead of wine. So like, I never have been a beer drinker. I don't, I'm not doing an ad right now. This is real. Um, I've never like liked hops, but I really love hop water. And I'm, and what I find is more and more companies are coming out with a sober, like alternative or a non-alcoholic alternative. Because 
the non-alcoholic beverage market is growing at 30% and nothing else is. So it's incredible, the growth of non-alcoholic beer, wine, spirits. So like Guinness just came out with a 0.0, Heineken, Corona. I personally was never a big beer drinker. And now I drink non-alcoholic beer. It's my favorite athletic brewing company. So good. Wait, what is it? Tell me. It's oh my God. Athletic Brewing Company. Athletic Brewing Company. They have the best beers, like an incredible IPA, hazy IPA, golden. And oh, I've tried you, that one. It's good. I have tried that one. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is not your crappy O'Doul's or St. Paul. No, like, no, nope, that is yeah. cool. Um, there is a company called Groovy, G R U V I that has 0.0 Prosecco and bubbly rosé. I had it at a brunch with other women who don't drink the Prosecco. I literally had to check the bottle three times to make sure it wasn't alcoholic because it was Wait, what so- is that called? Because I'm writing it down. What yeah. is it called? It's Groovy, G-R-U-V-I. And I think their website is getgroovy.com. And they have a non-alcoholic Prosecco and a non-alcoholic Bubbly Rosé that are truly indistinguishable from the alcoholic version, other than you don't get drunk, but you also don't get sick or have puffy face or whatever. Mm -hmm. But they come in these four packs of these adorable, like Tiffany Blue. I mean, bring them to a party. They're the cutest, you know? So... What I would say to people starting out is one, make it an experiment, make it empowering, make it something that you are doing to truly take care of yourself. Like you are not a 16 year old who got grounded and lost your car keys. Like that is just not what this is. And then get some kind of support. Like podcasts are amazing. There is a whole category of book called Quitlet. Um, that, you know, chiclet, like book, it's Mm -hmm. all about people quitting drinking or information about quitting drinking. And there's a spectrum of stuff out there, but a lot of it is really, you know, empowering and positive. And then there are groups, there are Facebook groups. I have a self-study course that sort of holds your hand and walks you through like, Here's what to do on day four when you desperately want to drink. And here's why you should have a protein snack at 4 p.m. And here's how to think about getting through your first Thanksgiving without alcohol and how to talk to your friends in a way that doesn't label you and doesn't scare them and how to go on dates. I mean, there is so many little practical steps that can trip you up and sort of drive you back to drinking. And, you know, it, it's totally worth it. It's simple, but it's not easy, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I'm curious to know, like, how did you become a sober coach? Like, was it something where you were like, oh, I'm sober? Like, how did that happen for you? Yeah. Well, so I quit drinking with a sober coach six and a half years ago. Like I said, almost 10 years ago, I kind of got to this point where 
Um, I was, you know, in this high powered job, I was barely coping with life. I was kind of shaky in the morning. It's like, I, you know, sort of, I mean, I knew it was the alcohol. I knew I was drinking too much. Um, I tried to make all the rules, right? Like I'll only have two glasses. I'll only mm. drink when I'm out. So I wouldn't drink too much because I had to drive home. I'll only drink when I'm home. So I won't have to drive after drinking. Um, I'll drink white wine because I loved red wine. I'll drink beer. Didn't work. So I went to a therapist and I said, you know, I made sure he specialized in both anxiety and alcohol and went in there, of course, and said, my husband, my boss, you know, my kid, I don't have support. I work too hard and I'm drinking a bottle of wine at night. And he was like, let's talk about your drinking. I was like, no, no, no. You didn't hear me about my boss. And he was like, yeah, let's talk about your drinking, which was funny. Um, you know, it was 10 years ago. He had gone through AA. He encouraged me to go through AA. Um, met a lot of really wonderful people. Was not for me. The approach, the label, the big book written in the 1930s by two white Christian men. It was just not my jam. So I went back mm -hmm. to drinking. And the second time, seven years ago, the world had changed. And so I got a sober coach. She's a woman out of Paris who wrote this book, tired of thinking about drinking. She just called us like us boozers, people who like to drink a lot. She really took a practical approach of self-care. And I emailed her literally every day for a year. Like I was like, all right, it's day 14. Here's, you know, and it was, it, yes, it was the alcohol, but it was also, how do I go to a dinner party? How do I handle, you know, my kid being crying and my husband not helping? How do I celebrate this event without drinking? I was going to Venice and Croatia at four months sober with my um, family. And I was like, how do I go to Italy as a red wine girl and don't drink? And I, I did it. Um, yeah. And so yeah. I had a sober coach. And then for a while, you know, when I found other cool women like me who didn't drink, um, I didn't use labels. I, I just said, yeah, I used to love to drink and I stopped and I feel better. And then for a long time, I was just, I used to drink and I stopped and I feel better. That was one part of my identity in the same way that I was a mom and I worked in digital marketing, like I said. And then, you know, when you stop drinking, I think there are two kinds of problems. There's the presenting problem that gets solved pretty quickly, right? It's hangovers, fuzzy nights, feeling super anxious, not sleeping. Stop drinking, those go away. Exactly what you experience. Then sometimes you have the underlying problems, which is the reason that drinking worked for you in the first place or what you don't have to deal with when you're drinking, you know? And those are sort of the underlying problems. And now you don't have your favorite coping mechanism to like knock yourself unconscious or numb out or whatever. And so for me, it was, yes, anxiety, but also my job. I was sort of doing really well, following the path, getting promoted. And it was, it was not what I cared about. It stressed me out. I didn't want my boss's job. I didn't want my boss's boss's job. 
And so um, my therapist actually recommended that I become a sober coach. Um, and I was like, oh my God, nobody makes money at that. I can't leave my corporate job. I'm the breadwinner, whatever you want to say. And so I took it incrementally <laughs> step by step. I sort of like found a coaching program and figured out that, you know, the in-person part would work for my vacation schedule and said to my husband, you know, hey, I'm going to use my bonus to do this. Best case scenario, I love it. And it's my next career. Worst case scenario, I have a year of personal development. I meet really cool people and I learn a lot. And I did that and I loved it. I started coaching just basically every 40 year old woman I knew, which was like, you did everything right. You checked everything on the list. So why the hell am I not happy? You know, which is literally everyone I know. And then yeah. I figured out something. Yeah. Women who struggled with alcohol, drinking too much. I had some women come to me because I knew I quit drinking. They, it is the most sadly easy or maybe it's positive, they're the easiest to coach. And it's the most gratifying because there is a presenting problem, right? The alcohol, the drinking, the hangovers, that is the presenting problem. You remove that and there's simple steps that almost every woman is similar to do that. And these are women who, you know, have a job, have a great life, are still succeeding. Basically, if you're drinking too much, you're like running a marathon with a ball and chain tied to your ankle, right? You're you're doing life with one hand tied behind your back. It's self-sabotage. You take that away and the world is open to you, right? You have removed the ball and chain. And if you are stopping drinking, you have to immediately get pretty honest about we call them triggers, right? All the reasons you have to drink, you want to drink and solve for them, whether it's your job, your boss, your marriage, the fact you're a people pleaser, you need to work on boundaries, you know, some stuff that people don't like to talk about. Like I drink because my kids are a nightmare, whatever it is, right? And so you get to finally solve for those. Whereas women who are just generally unhappy with their life, they think it's their boss or their weight. There are certain things that they don't want to admit. And so it feels very surface. Does that make sense at all? A hundred percent. I mean, a hundred percent. Something I'll say, I was just listening to everything you were saying, is when you get to a point where you realize like, you know, some women, not everybody has gone through the amount of trauma that I have or some more people have than, I mean, I've gone through a lot of death and loss in my life. I was, I was not able to fully deal with my emotions for my entire adult life. And so in the yeah. beginning when I said, oh, I'm a hypocrite because I'm coming on here. And if you're a listener and I'm, you know, and you've listened since the beginning, I really honestly mean I really want to live my life helping other people. That's all I really care about because selfishly it really helps me. And I'm hoping that the man upstairs, I get a, like a, a easier way up to heaven to see my dad and my best friend, et cetera. But I now have found in this short amount of time that I'm not like depressed 
and I'm, I haven't been having my panic attacks and I've just been yeah. like really feeling my feelings. And that's kind of a good thing, you know, I mean, to be able to actually really feel your feelings. And, and I think most people hide behind, you know, like wine or vodka or whatever their drink of choice is because they, they are escaping. They don't want to feel the feelings of, if you're a trauma survivor, the trauma that you've gone through in your life, it's like constantly running away from it. And I say a lot, you can run forever, but you can't hide. And, and, you know, I had a therapist, uh, Dr. Nay, who's, who is my, was my therapist. And then another psychiatrist, because I was having such bad panic, panic attacks a few years ago. And I was on Zoloft, I was mixing that with wine. And I was telling her, you know, like, I really want to, I know that I'm drinking too much wine at night, but I'm just not ready to walk away from that because that's way too much. Like, you know, if I walk away from that, my panic attacks will get worse and everything's going to be worse. And then, you know, this little experiment that I had of taking this break from wine has made me go, oh my gosh, like, actually, when I say this, I did have a panic attack to the second day in or the third day in. And I didn't have like the shakes. I didn't have like withdrawal or anything like that. But I do think that my body maybe was reacting to not having the alcohol and that maybe what came in the form of, of a panic attack. Um, mm -hmm. But everything you said really struck me because to be able to like truly live your life and live your feelings and live your emotions and not really, you know, to be honest with you, I don't really give a shit what anybody thinks of me anymore. And this was the last piece of the puzzle in my life that I really need to, needed to clean up. Or else, like I yeah. said in the beginning, I felt like a hypocrite. So if I have a vodka martini tomorrow, like I'm not going to be like, oh, I ruined the whole thing. Maybe I will be. But I just know I can never go back to that again. And I think for my audience that's listening, um, something that really helped me was listening to your podcast, to be honest with you. And, and there's, we're so lucky that we have so much information now, you know, I hate to end kind of be at the end of the podcast and talk about some of the statistics, but you actually posted this the other day. You said one in eight deaths of people ages 20 to 64 occurred because of alcohol related injuries or illness. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I mean, women's drinking went up by 84% between 2008 and 2018. And during the pandemic, women increased heavy drinking again by 41%. And what's incredible is women with children under the age five in their house during the pandemic increased their drinking by 300%. Yeah. So it's, it's everywhere. It's pushed on us, not only by marketing and TV and popular culture, but by each other. When you say you have a bad day, my husband still drinks. He's, um, can have like what he has a beer or two every night, but I used to drink the bottle and, you know, um, yeah, my husband's like that too. Yeah. And that's um, fine. Like um, I've been pushing it on him. 
He's like, leave me alone. I'm like, no, it's such a great life. He's like, okay, Megan, enough. You know, so I would have a bad day and he would buy me a bottle of wine to out for dinner to bring home because he knew it made me happy. And I would talk about my boss. My girlfriends would be like, dude, we need, we need a bar night. You know, like we do it to each other. It's the norm. Also, like not to mention the fact you talked about your trip to Croatia and Italy. And I'm like in my head going, well, I'm supposed to go to Italy this summer. And, you know, like, what am I going to do? Like, I started thinking that way. And I was like, I can do this. If I did, I didn't drink a chalice of, of wine on Halloween. I'm like, I can do this. If I've gotten this far, I can do this. And if I fall, that's fine. All I know is that I'm such a strong believer in what I've learned during this period of time about myself that I would like, and I think you would agree on with me is that this is a gift. Like life is a gift. We're here for such a short amount of time. Really, honestly, we are. And just being like, well, I now like, I'm not like crying on my pillow at night because I like thought about a memory of my dad because I was like drunk and I was thinking about my dad or my best friend that passed away. Like it's like I can actually really deal with my emotions in a much healthier way. Yeah. So. Yeah. And by the way, I haven't, you know, sober travel is the best. You are going to love it. I wish I could go back on every trip I've gone on and not drink because it. I went to Venice and yes, I missed the wine at night at dinner. I also woke up really early and took photographs of the canals and the the city before anyone else was up. And I did things that I never would have done if I was drinking because I'd just be sitting in a wine bar for hours, you know? Yeah. I loved this episode. I adore you. I think you're so great. I'm kind of like a geek and fanning out on you because I really and like listen to your podcast and it really helped me. So thank you. I'm sure you get that a lot. No, I'm so Um, glad it helped you. Truly. No, it really did. But I want my audience to hear me when I say I'm not doing this today. And I know Casey isn't either to try and preach to you and like get you to be like feel bad about yourself. I'm really doing this because I want you to know that I feel I, I'm so feeling so great that I want other people to know that I did this. And I am freaking effing proud of myself like I am. You know, and you can be proud of yourself too. There's so much, so much good stuff about not drinking. And in my head going, oh my gosh, I have to go to a wedding. I'm not going to be fun Megan anymore. I won't be doing Tina Turner on the dance floor. Actually, I'll be doing my Tina Turner on the dance floor and I'll be way better at it because I won't be like drunk and falling over. And I'll look way cuter in my dress, P.S. And my face looks better, like... Fane Megan is on Fuego right now, and it's only getting better, Casey. I love it. In closing, I just want to thank you again. I want to thank all my listeners. Please reach out to me. You can find me at Judging Megan. Casey, what, what are some ways that my listeners can find you? Yeah, I mean, I think the best place to start is my podcast. So you can find all the information at my website, which is hellosomedaycoaching.com. I've also got a free 30-day guide, 30 tips for your first 30 days. 
if you want to get started and it's super practical you know what to buy at the grocery store and how you'll feel on day five and what to do on your first weekend um, and tons of resources on there so you can go to hellosomedaycoaching.com or my podcast is the hello someday podcast anywhere you listen well thank you again um you have a big fan in megan judge i think you're awesome um in closing everybody be happy by making other people happy thanks casey judging megan with megan judge mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.